Welcome to episode 30 of the Q the Duck Boats podcast. It's a, We don't have the full group today. It's just me and Connor. Kevin had to go into work. He got rushed in. He's a big man on campus sometimes, you know. But how are you feeling today? How are you feeling today, Connor? Happy Sunday fun day. Uh, it's a great Sunday morning. We're up nice and early before, uh, you know, the birds and the worms. So we'll see or, how today goes. Or the rooster crows, as you say. <laughs> Do they crow? Yeah. Do they crow to roosters? Crow? Mm, I this don't know technically what it's called, but they, they cock-a-doodle-doo. This is already off the rails. So as we said last week, I think we want to get into a little more structure of the pod and how things are changing. And we've kind of started to really figure that out, Connor. So I, I mean, a lot of it was your ideas. You want to give us some of what our new segments are going to be that we'll be going through each week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the one that I think is going to be the the fan favorite thus far, because Do the Duck Boats is primarily a Boston-based podcast, so we're going to run the show where we do the first segment of each show, probably somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes about the Boston Bruins. And we are dubbing it the dirty water segment. So you will get the goodies right away for you loyal Bruins fans. And then we have a slew of different categories and topics. We're not going to do them all every single podcast. So you're going to see things rotate through. We're going to keep it fresh, keep it interesting, make sure nothing's always the same. We've got an Eastern Conference segment that Jake dubbed the Salt of the East. We've got the Western Conference, which we will call the Wild Wild West. And then right now we've got some league rumors. And then Kevin's gambling segment, we're going to call the Lucky Duckies. Yeah, let's hope Kevin can heat up. He actually hasn't been gambling, so I don't know how much that's really going to help us, but I'm sure he'll be going again by next year. I'm sure we both will. I, ha- I haven't placed a bet since the Super Bowl, so it's been a minute for myself too. But let's get right into it. Let's get into that dirty water. Um, obviously, the thing that's been on any Bruins fan's mind over since the season's ended, literally since the handshake line, was what does the future of Patrice Bergeron look like? And this week we finally got an answer. Um, it seems Patrice Bergeron's coming back. He's expected to sit down with the Bruins early this week when he gets back from a family vacation he's on. And they're going to they're gonna hash something out, and they're going to come to an agreement on a one-year deal, I think. At least that's what we think. We think it's going to be a one-year deal. Um, I would say I'm almost sure it is. The max I think we would see is two years. Um, I know that you put out a little poll from our Twitter and um, about contract uh, value. What are you thinking? Well... As Joe McDonald reported, it's supposed to be a one-year deal. I've also heard Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show uh, comment about the contract, and he said that this is expected to be a one-year bonus-laden contract. And the poll that we put out on Twitter basically said under $2 million, 2 to 5 or over 5 $2 million to $5 million was the favorite which makes sense until I heard Elliot Friedman come out and say bonus laden. That makes me think that it's probably going to be around a million to a million five. And he's going to have bonuses for games played and points production, which could get him over 6 million depending on how it is. But I think the reason why you're seeing it this way and why it makes sense is the Bruins don't have cap space. 
but what can you do with a bonus laden contract? You can, you can take over. that million and a half and it's on your books this year, the extra 4 million or so, you know, however much it could be in bonuses can get rolled over to next year. And then no harm, no foul. You can just throw it next year where Eric Halla, no sick Felino, et cetera, et cetera, come off the books where the Bruins, I think, are expected to have somewhere between 20 and $30 million in cap space. So Patrice is back. Everybody, you know, even myself included, I kind of went nuts in our group chat that night <laughs> when the message came across Twitter. Um, but is it the best thing to happen for the Bruins right now? To be honest with you, I don't know. Depends on the direction we're going to go in. I mean, right, I... Of course we want Patrice Bergeron back. I think it's ignorant to say we didn't. Um, we obviously want Patrice back. If he's at a good number, then most definitely. But you have to remember, he just won the Celtic Trophy. He just had analytically one of the best years of his career. In reality, he could ask for whatever money he wanted. But we don't have that much money. How much money do the Bruins have right now in cap space? Uh, I think between 3 and $4 million. I think it's $4.3 million is what I'm looking at right now on Inside the Rinks cap cards. Shout out the inside the rink cap cards and Bruins cap space. But yeah, I just, it's tough for me to be like, I mean, he's not going to be getting a huge contract. I don't think, and I don't think Bergeron's in it for the money. And if it's bonus laden, then it, then that's great. It really is. Was I starting to shape my mind around the acceptance of a rebuild? I a hundred percent was. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I finally <laughs> was. Too. I was like, all right, you know, like I, it, for me, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm a diehard Bruins fan. And if I go into the season accepting that we're not going to be winning the Stanley Cup, I'm still going to watch all 82 games and be okay with what's going on. But I, at the same time, I selfishly still want us to go for it, right? So if we have Bergeron coming back and we're taking one last kick of the can, it makes me think – I we've heard the rumors, right, that Krejci's family is moving back to the United States. Is Krejci coming back? If Krejci's coming back at another low contract, then we know the Bruins are about to make a trade. And it has to be a substantial one. Because you're not going to have a lineup that has Bergeron, Hollow, Krejci, Coyle, Nosek, all on it. It just doesn't make sense with guys like Stadnika who are restricted free agents who need to get a chance. And with a new coach coming in, you know whatever new coach is coming into this Bruins team, right? They're going to have the idea that they're going for it right now, but they need to start to develop some young talent to make sure their careers are long. Well, that's what doesn't make sense for me. I know. And this is where... I kind of struggled with, yes, Patrice is coming back. Thank the Lord. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. That might not be the best thing for the Bruins right now. Especially if ah, it's so hard back. to hear that. Like, I don't, I mean, no, like, I, I still want Patrice Bergeron back. I'm going to wholeheartedly disagree with that. But it's the Bruins have made the wrong moves to support Patrice. So, what are we like? How, so, it, my thought is different. My thought is they've done things to support Patrice, but they haven't and will continue to not do what they need to do to replace Patrice. Oh, yeah. Or support and him future. coming back just punts that down the road another year or two. And to be honest with you, in my opinion, I think David Krejci also coming back would make that even worse. Of course. I mean, but... But, like, if we're going to take one last kick at the can, do I want to see it? I guess, yeah. But, like, at the same time, we know, like, if we're going to go all world, for it, next what year's would make suck. What would make Connor happy 
is if Don Sweeney went out and acquired a center to play in the number two role. And if you do bring David Krejci back, you make him your now third line center and get Coyle the freak out of the middle. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that really, that would be the best case scenario, right? If you could, and I like Charlie Coyle as a person, I do, but I don't like four more seasons at 5.25 million. I just don't. It's that simple. Um, There's really no other way to put it. He's not worth that amount of money. Will he be worth that amount of money when the cap goes up 10 million? Probably still no, because I think we've seen Pete Charlie Coyle. I think this year was Pete Charlie Coyle. And he's a good player. He's a good third-line player. He's a good $3.1 million player. He's not a good 5.25. It's that simple. I agree with you completely. If you're going to – if you, I will be perfectly fine if they have Bergeron as a first-line center, Krejci as a second, and we make some moves that we can, we can acquire the heir to that throne. It's that simple. Yeah. Because I, – and I don't, I don't think Krejci is coming back with demands to be in the top six. He's starting to slow down. He just took a year not in the NHL. Do I think he would be able to do better than Holla did in between Hall and Pasternak? Probably still yes. Probably still yes, right? And Holla did pretty good. Like, that's where I find a little bit of, like, solace in all this, a little bit of, like, ah, all right. Like, when you just stare at the lineup, and if Jake DeBrusque can be the Jake DeBrusque we saw at the end of last year, and he's staying in Boston under a new coaching staff, and Marshawn comes back after the surgery, and he's still himself, which I'm sure he will be because he's an animal of a human. I don't, he's more animal than he is human. Then you still have a pretty, you have some great top six wingers with Marchand, mm-hmm. DeBrus, Pasta Hall. Bergeron <laughs> is still a very elite center. You yep. just need another one. You need another elite center. Teams are not winning Stanley Cups without two elite centers. We can segue that if you want and then come back and forth. Or we can do anything. Think about the yeah. two teams in the Stanley Cup. What are they flushed with? Talent. Talent, up and down the lineup. Up and down the lineup. And there bargain is, talent. Yes, there is no – there's no Felino making 3.8. There's no Coyle making 5.25. Those two contracts have became albatrosses. And that well, – you know what? We'll segue right in. Don Sweeney, as we was reported last night, is going to be extended. We knew that, but it's, it's done, I guess. The Bruins haven't fully announced it. But all the reports going forward from the big dogs are that it's done. I, I yeah. was really hoping that – this couple weeks we had with no extension meant they were reconsidering it, but it's done. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like the Don Sweeney extension really kicked into overdrive after the report of Patrice is willing to come back. Of course. I I was starting to get the feeling that if this team was going to turn the new leaf and I think ownership and Cam Neely were waiting on Bergeron, I think Bergeron kind of dictated a lot oh, of things here. A hundred percent. And I feel like if he would have said, Hey, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to retire. or I'm going to take a year off, whatever it was. I think there was a good possibility that the team moved on from Sweeney at that point. But if you're going to run it back one more time, you're not going to run it back with a new general manager because you just gassed your coach warranted or not. And you have to have somebody there who's able to take the fall. And if this year doesn't go well, when you run it back again with Patrice Bergeron, we'll always get an ax across the neck faster than freaking someone in game of Thrones who've done, who've done Cersei wrong. <laughs> Probably there. within 48 hours of them being bounced out of the playoffs. Next oh year. yeah. Cause Cam's not going to be the fall guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, I could honestly see them both going at the same I time. I know, I know, right? But I just don't – I mean, it's just – It's like Kyle these... Dubas and Sheldon Keefe relationship. Yeah, they're together. They're, they're together. They're until the end. But who would you rather have? As a general manager? I'd take Dubas in a heartbeat. Um, oh, I have to pick between Sweeney and Dubas? Yeah, it's like picking two different trash cans. Sweeney. But I would go – really? Yeah, I guess because he doesn't give those contracts – but you a, give smaller he doesn't crazy give ones, the but. the excessive contracts, and B isn't sitting here in the the press conferences making promises for who he's going to keep together on the team, and refuses yeah. to entertain any idea of moving somebody. I don't. Like that for me is where you know Leafs Nation kind of loses me. But I'd like yeah. Stevie Y. You think we can get him? Oh my god, <laughs> I would I would give my left freaking kidney for. Uh, for stevie y i would give up just about any appendage or body part for stevie y before we jump into the salt of the east segment i'm just looking at our salary cap um cards right and you look at buffalo who is a dumpster fire right but they have peyton krebs for the next two years at eight hundred and thirty-six thousand. they have dylan elc yep they have dylan cousins for another year at 894 they have casey middlestad at 2.5 I would take any of those three centers over Eric Halla or Charlie Coyle or, or Felino. Yeah. And, and not one of them makes more money than any of them. I think the Sabres have at least four to five picks in the first two rounds of this upcoming draft. And they have 30, 36 million in cap space. And they are already weaponizing it. They are not looking to be competitive again this year. You yeah, saw I, that with the the Ben Bishop trade. Yeah, they, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're they're gonna be soon. They really are. I, I left out Cage Thompson, who's gonna make one point four million dollars. Who I also would take over our bottom so three while, centers. While we're talking about, you know, we can come back to the Bruins coaching debacle here in a second. But mm. while we're talking the the Atlantic Division, right? So you have the Bruins, who are obviously on the back two. I wouldn't even say back nine anymore. They're on the back two. You've got Toronto, who's probably going to be good for another five years. Back two. I mean, maybe you say like they're on like hole 17 and 18. I know you're not a golfer, but two would be at the start. That would be kind of, you know. Oh, okay. Well, back yeah. Two, I, don't, I don't play golf five days like, a week. Like, come like the, the 11th hole or something. I don't know. It's just, you can keep going. But yeah, the last weird. two holes, whatever. I'm not an expert. Don't sue me, you golf people. Um, but you have the Bruins who are obviously a year or two away from it. Just completely, you know, the wheels are falling off these duck boats quick. Then you've got Tampa who's going to do whatever to stay relevant. And they've got the core to stay relevant and the experience Toronto will probably be there. Five Tampa's going to come crashing down at some point though. I think it's the Brandon Hagel trade. That's going to tear them yeah, apart. Like they, like they, they they have negative one point two two five cap space. They're not like Tampa can't. And they, I mean, point they have point for eight more years, but they won't be able to re-sign Stammer. They have Kucherov for five. So they have some studs, but they're going to be in the same freaking situation the Bruins are in. But keep going. Yeah. So Tampa, Toronto, they're going to be good. Boston, not so much. Then you've got the Florida Panthers, who have a really good lineup who just brought in probably one of the best coaches that was on the market in Paul Maurice. And then you've got Buffalo 
and Detroit who are really young but have an insane amount of talent coming up in their pipeline who are going to be real good. You're forgetting one more team, Ottawa. Ottawa has some freaking talent there too. I don't believe in Ottawa yet. And but I believe- to Chuck, Stutzla, Batherson, Norris, they have some guys. They just have to keep drafting well. They're on their way up. They're not, they're not on the way down. Yes. So here's why Ottawa. So with the passing of Eugene Melnick and the passing down of the team to his daughters, I think you're going to see a sale of the team quickly. Like they're they just move. got the LeBreton Flats um, deal approved. Yeah, they're going to be preferred a better, better status, better location, and it's going to be a better spot for free agents and everything. So, for the next three to four years in that transition, I don't see them being really anything because the team is not going to be looking to spend big until they get into LeBreton Flats, and I feel like they'll try to do what the Islanders tried and failed with putting a real good team together for the first year at the arena, but it's still down the road. And again, you know, the team's probably going to get sold. It's going to be tough. Like looking through it because they don't have the like bottom six talent that the other two have. Like they don't have Anders Bjork, you know, like they don't have Anders Bjork. So that. Yeah. Bruins legend. They also don't have Owen Power or Rasmus Dahlin. So that really. Yeah. I mean, the only thing for Buffalo that you can say is, uh, you know, Buffalo doesn't have shit for goaltending. Yeah. I, you know, Brady to Chuck, though, that brings me in. Do you think Brady to Chuck is really the guy who ushers in the future of the Senators? Do you think he gets the hell out of there? I think that both of the Kachuk brothers end up together somewhere. End up together St. in Louis. St. Louis by the they end would, of their career. They'd be so good there. It would be, I mean, they just fit that team so well. Look, we're just getting wild here. Let's get back to some Bruins coaching before we just go full league wide. Who do you think is going to be the next head coach of the Boston Bruins? And how disappointed are you that we haven't had a coach announced yet? So mildly disappointed. However, the Bruins sat on their hands for too long to make their coaching decision because, you know, they obviously told their coach that he was safe and coming back next year and then completely reneged on their deal there. Um. So obviously it was expected that it was going to take longer. You know, Cassidy takes his seat in Vegas. Paul Maurice goes to Florida, trots to Philly. Or no, not trots to Philly, Tortorella to Philly, trots to his couch because he's not going to coach this year or not yet anyway. So all of the established coaching talent is really going, going, gone at this point. The Bruins interviewed David Quinn, interviewed Jay Leach. It seems like those are the two stud ponies for this race. And did they interview Montgomery you, or is that just a rumor? They did early on. Yeah, or they didn't seem um, to not materialize, right? But it doesn't seem like he was one of their favorites. Um, so I, I, I think it's going to come down to David Quinn or Jay Leach. Yeah, me too. And of course, I think the Bruins are going to do the Bruins thing here, and they're going to push for Jay Leach more than anything because he's familiar with the organization and some of the younger players and prospects. They did. They interviewed another. They interviewed um, the former Northeastern head coach and current Colorado Eagles head coach, Greg Cronin. Mm-hmm. 
Did you see that? I saw it the other day. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, that was he is. Uh, about a week ago, I believe. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was last week they interviewed him. Um, yeah, he was and one then, of the he was one of the guys in that last little string of interviews. I was kind of surprised at that. I yeah. hadn't heard his name anywhere, but I get. I mean, he seemed well respected. I, I don't. It's tough because I don't know a lot of these. Like I don't. I don't know if you do. I don't know a lot of minor league coaches. Like the only I, I was familiar, obviously, with Leach from his time in Providence. I'm familiar with Quinn, and I was familiar with Nate Lehman because I've watched. His, I, I live 20 minutes from Providence, so I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of PC games. You know what I mean? But I. Yeah, I mean, as far as some of like the AHL coaches or whatever, you know, I'm not an expert by by any means, but I could say, oh, hey, you you coached the Hershey Bears and you know you won this many games, solid coach. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of my extent of the the up and coming coaches. But for me, how do you do that as the I, Bruins? How do you bring somebody in who's never been a head coach before, potentially? And put them on a team that you're running it back with Bergeron. Man, I just don't time. get. I can't. I had this exact conversation with my dad the other day. I said, "Listen, like i i want I want the Bruins to go with like a younger, new, new blooded coach. But how do you bring a guy with less experience than the players in the locker room? Like, how to? I mean, you better you gotta have a set of balls on you and really demand some respect. And I, I mean, I think the Bruins have a pretty respectful group. But when the going gets tough, like. I think a guy like David Quinn, he's going to get their respect. Mm-hmm. And a guy who hasn't coached anything other than some college hockey, it's going to be tough unless you were a stud player to get even, their respect, right? Like, I, I mean, maybe David I'm wrong, Quinn, but even with Quinn, I don't think that he's more of a player's gonna... coach, I think, in this new, in the role he'd be coming into as. Yeah. I think. Like, I don't okay. Know. So I'll change. Anybody who comes in here isn't going to control the room. No. This room is already controlled by the existing Marshan, Bergeron leadership group. Them, those two. Like, really. Like, I don't like they, yeah. and they deserve that. Like, those guys have earned the respect to control a locker room. They've paid their dues and they've become great leaders. So I don't. They're like the liaison between the yeah. coaching staff and the players at this yeah. point. Um, you know, I, it still gets me like the guy who I really thought would have been the best for this role didn't get an interview. And that's Rick Tockett. Like I really thought Rick Tockett is someone who had the NHL career to get their respect. He hasn't got to coach a good team. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who understands this age's player. Like I loved his interview with Chick was talking about how he thinks the next coach position, like you have to be friends with your players. You have to build a relationship and work with them so that you're able to give them criticism they'll respond to. I just, absolutely. I, I really like, I loved his message that he put out on multiple podcasts that I listened to. And I, I think it sucks that the Bruins didn't give him a longer look. I really do. But, you know, I guess it's kind of just a wait and see for that. But how do you feel? How do you feel? Let's go up into the Stanley cup. Do you think the lightning can come back and win this? Well, they win today. The offense been, are off. I know the last episode I came on here and said it's it's really hard for me to root against the Lightning, especially with the Avalanche goaltending issues. Um, and he gave up a softy. He gave up a softy late. It squeaked right through the wickies. So Kemper has definitely proved me right so far in this series. About hey, he's, he's serviceable. He's, he's good. Le- he's Linus he's Olmark. Not great. He's Linus Olmark. Yeah, I I mean definitely feel you a hundred percent there. So can the Lightning claw themselves back in? I think yes. I think if they win tonight in game six, 
you can pretty much put a bow on it. Uh, the Avalanche in Game 5 look really nervous and kind of skittish to me. The only thing from a Lightning perspective that gives me some concern is it is painfully obvious how outclassed they are when it comes oh, to speed of the game God, and conditioning. Ridiculous. They look like they do look like the old guys who are having trouble keeping up with the kids. They really do. And that's uh the I mean game five was the first game of the series. I actually like just sat down like Emma was reading a book or something and I just sat and actually watched the game focused. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. I was like this these teams are just very like when you really, really watch, Tampa was struggling, but Tampa, that's what they do. They that's what it looked like against Toronto too. Mm-hmm. They just they put their neck on the chopping block, they block shots at their teeth, and they win hockey games. That's what they do. Yep. They grind. They grind, they grind, they grind. And they're not full of grinders. I mean, Nikita Kucherov, one for one, is probably one of the most talented players to touch the ice in the last ten years, right? But definitely has a nasty streak in him. But he has a grind. He'll grind it out too. He he has that. That's the the Russian player that I like. The Kucherov, the Ovechkin, not the not the prissy ones. The one you know, like he will go out there and he's like Malkin too. Those guys will grind you to nothing. Like yeah, they're, they're animals. <laughs> but you know, yeah. I mean, the Lightning definitely have the talent. They obviously have the pedigree and the experience to to make it work. It'll all come down to the Avalanche being a better road team. Can you close it out in Tampa? Because it, I I think if the Avalanche mm-hmm. can't can't close it tonight, they're going to be toast in a game seven. I, I don't want to say toast, but I, I'm gonna, I'm saying right now it's sixty forty Avalanche. Tampa wins. I'm going sixty forty Tampa in game seven because of experience. Yep. The barn will be tough to play in. I don't know how much that matters to Tampa. Andre Vasilevsky is an absolute is animal. animal. He's going to be an animal. Games. He's going to be an animal in these next two games, an absolute animal. The thing the Avalanche have in their favor is they're super high skilled. So they are able to score. They have shown they can score on them. They've scored on them in every game. They can score yeah. goals on them. Um, and let's be honest, Braden Point has only played one game in this entire series. Yeah, yeah. And I hate to say this, but I feel like it's 100% going to become true. If the Lightning lose, that is the only freaking thing that you're going to hear out of Lightning fan. Well, we pushed it to six or seven games that didn't have Braden Point. Yeah, and guess what? And Kadri's playing with half a hand. So let's just... Let's... And Burakovsky's missed time. Niskushin. Nishuskin may or may not miss time. I think he's going to play. I, I like Bednar said he's traveling and he's going to play. He's got to. Give yeah. Him, give him some listen, shots in the listen, knees. Dude, just give him some Toradol and get him back out there. It's for the cup. Like, I don't like. And to be honest with you, I think half the lightning is there. They're getting shot up before. Oh, my the God. The lightning are, the lightning have grinded every round. They're getting. Oh, yeah. They're hurt. At this point, hurt. if Kucherov hasn't sub- had somebody smuggle in the Russian gas, oh he has. To get he's them on the through. he's on the gas. Don't worry, he's on the gas. There's no question. Like, he's a, that guy's gassing up. Half that team is basically crippled with the amount of shots that they block. It's who's your Conn Smythe winner right now? On the count uh, of three, one, two, three. Kale McCarr, Valerie Nashuskin. Really? I think he's the one that has 
moved that needle, especially in this final series for me. I just, it's not going to happen probably. Even if he's been the most impact player, you know how this goes. It's the player with the name. Yeah, it's going to be Kale probably, right? I, I think the shoe skin is like two goals away or a game-winning goal away from being there. Yeah. Watching Makar play at this level and how much he slows the game down is mind-blowing. But want to know another player who really stood out to me in Game 5? Bo Byram. He's, he's a freaking player. He can play. He can really play. I'm glad he got through the current concussion issues that he was having early on. And a lot of people were thinking it was going to be done. But, you know, guys can get through it. Look at Bergeron. Look at Crosby. You, it, you can get through it. It's a grind. It's a process. And it's not saying it won't happen again to him. He's a small defenseman. He's going to get rocked. But he he's a freaking player. They, that, was a, that was a great draft pick. It really was. And he's showing right now he's worth it. Um, let's jump into some other stuff in the West. The Winnipeg Jets. What a weird spot they're in. I think we're going to start to see a rebuild starting. I really do. And I think some the hammer might start to fall right around the draft with Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what it feels like. Um, with Paul Maurice kind of leaving last year abruptly saying that it's not fun for him anymore. He, he wasn't getting the same feeling. To me, it, it almost felt like it sucked the life out of the Winnipeg Jets. I don't I don't know any other way to describe it really. It just it deflated so, the team. Before we get into some of the players we've heard about that want want out of there. So the first guy we saw no longer want to play in Winnipeg and just hang him up was Dustin Bufflin. Yes. Guy who seemed to love hockey, love being around the guys, said, nah, I'm done. Evander Kane hated his time there, wanted out. Now the coach is saying, wasn't fun, wanted out. Now we have the newest guy who, I mean, in plainer terms, without saying it, Pierre-Luc Dubois seems like a little little baby, right? I mean, like, now mm-hmm. he wants out. What is the problem in Winnipeg? Is it a culture problem in Winnipeg? I think so. And I mean, I Kane, like, like I'm not going to say Kane. Is, Kane did whatever he did. He's He's been a known. So Evander Kane was a clown. Yeah, he's Winnipeg. an old clown. He was. But... His players, Blake he's, Wheeler and yeah, Dustin Bufflin doing what they did is is not something that you would expect to or want to see in a professional sports locker yeah. room. That's borderline like, bullying, hazing, whatever you want to call it. It's what it comes down to. Like, right, if you see a guy that's having problems, you guys are adults. You're all rich adults that play hockey for a living. Help your friend. Help your teammate out. Like, there's no... And that's what I just don't think happens in that locker room. I don't think guys are getting picked back up when they're down. No. And, and, and there's a reason the Bruins said Wheeler wasn't going to work here. You know? But I don't – I mean, I don't know. I won't speculate on that because that was a long time ago. Probably it was a, it was a, a dumb little, trade. a little bit different back then. Oh, um, I also – he was traded for um, – what was he? Ah, Marcos Rich Peverly and Chris Kelly, and that's oh, what okay. yeah, pushed them to win the cup. cup that year. Helps us win the cup. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who did we but, trade for Sturm? That was Joe Thornton. Um, I don't was... recall off the top of my head, and I would have to look that one up. But in Winnipeg, I mean, we could even go back before Pierre Luc Dubois. Patrick Line didn't want to be there either. I can't believe I forgot about Line. Another and guy. it's just a continuation. 
and Paul Stastny after this season in his end of season press conferences made some comments that made everybody go, Hmm, about players in the locker room and how they act and feel in the vibe of the team. And it 100% sounds like there is a lot of issues in the locker room and within the organization to the point. I mean, look, Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't want to stay there. He's a restricted free agent right now. And he has two years left until he would be a UFA. And he's telling the Jets now, look, I'm going to test the UFA market. I don't want to sign a long-term contract with you. That's what I want to do. Is that a negotiating tactic? Maybe because he's still looking for an RFA deal right now. But at the same time, that could totally be seen as a, this locker room is ridiculous. This team is obviously about to implode. I don't want to, you know, hitch my wagon here. Yeah. And then on the back end of it, people like Elliot Friedman, Darren Dreger, and Frank Saravalli are all reporting that Mark Shifley seems to have some type of issue with the team and would didn't request a trade. That's fine with it. But would be completely okay with being moved out. And Blake Wheeler and the organization mutually agreed that it would be best to move him somewhere else. That's what I mean. If there's a team that's open for business with the biggest big names, the biggest big names, that's good. <laughs> it's Winnipeg. Winnipeg's gonna be gonna be an interesting team to monitor. And they're a team the Bruins should really take a long look at. There's some centers there who could be that guy to usher us into the next generation. So for me, you always hear of a power broker every offseason. Who's going to be the kingmaker and push another team forward? To me, it's Western Canada. The Vancouver Canucks are in a similar boat and the Winnipeg Jets. They've got a lot of high-end talent from those teams that they're willing to take serious offers and move some big-name talent. You know, I was going to say, it, and why is that? Because players hate to play there, but players don't hate to play in hate Vancouver. Vancouver's a beautiful city. It's actually somewhere mm-hmm. I definitely on my like, top 10 list of places to go. And you've ne- I don't think I've ever heard a player be like, Vancouver sucks to play in. So nope. definitely heard that about Edmonton and Winnipeg. <laughs> definitely uh, Winnipeg. Yeah, definitely not about Vancouver. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. Um, I think our next podcast, hopefully we have some more light on, like, what's coming, what's happening, what – hammers are falling um definitely a lot of speculation but there there's a lot of news about to explode and we're kind of right on the hitch of it i just want to run through the nhl awards were any of them surprising to you we can go i can read them off to you if you want and then we can go um to be honest with you i didn't fully expect to see kale mccarr win the neither did i i thought it was going to be yossi me too but i heard a podcast conversation uh between jeff merrick and somebody else i forget who it was it might have been elliot friedman oh, no, yeah. I, I listened to it i listened to it um where they he was had, they both had chucky number three they both had no uh chucky was number two two on he had two on merrick's yeah he had charlie he was second yeah and when he was talking about kale mccarr victor hedman and charlie mcavoy in why they were his top defensive candidates it's because they play the toughest competition 
for the most amount of minutes. All the time. Where Roman Yossi is the second pair defenseman in Nashville because Ekholm plays against the top talent. So then I was like, oh, wow. Like, I obviously don't watch a ton of Nashville. So I wasn't super super up to date on that. And I was like, son of a bitch, you're right. And I was like, now that makes his impressive point season not very impressive to me, to be honest. I I mean, no, it's still very impressive. He's still a top, like, defenseman in the NHL. But... Imagine how much better Charlie McAvoy would be. Of course. I mean, Charlie McAvoy. He didn't play on the PK. McAvoy had 56 points. He had 46 assists, 10 10 goals. This was McAvoy's coming out party. McAvoy wins the Norris in the next two to three years, without a doubt. Like, I mean, McAvoy, at all those defensemen, McAvoy's the best at defense. Yes. Like, he's the best at defense at this point. Was Victor Hedman at his prime better than McAvoy right now? Yeah, but McAvoy's not at his peak. And, Hedman's on the way down. McAvoy is the best at defense. And I'm so glad he's finally getting respected by the rest of the NHL because I've been banging on that drum for years. Yeah. I mean, definitely as Bruins fans, you hope that that banging of the drum would be consistent. But (laughs) I mean, if Charlie McAvoy was playing against the competition that Rossi or Rossi, Yossi gets to to see and you know you had a pairing of let's say carlo and Lindholm being your your big shutdown pair and he just got to play offense yeah he'd put up mcavoy probably puts up another 20 to 30 points in a year yeah so to that argument i can understand on the ice with some fucking pine cones half the time but well i mean it's a 37 minute mark you could you could still you could still have McAvoy and Grizzlick as a second pair. Yeah, and guess what? And Hall. They would play with Pasta and Hall and center to be determined, if not Eric Halla, the man, the myth, the legend. Jack Stanika, <laughs> Johnny Beecher, Fabian Flysell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the Norris was the only one that I kind of scratched yeah. my head about. Heart, I had um, going to Matthews. Yep. Hart was I, Matthews. He was, was to me, Austin Matthews, and I'll argue with the McDavid people all year, was the most dominant player in the NHL this year. I watch a lot more Leafs games than I do Edmonton games. Now Matthews scares the sh- When you say um, that Matthews in scoring, I need to take a minute and Keenan oh, Thompson. Yeah, oh my God, that was so funny. That was so funny. Thank you. Because the jokes at the NHL award for how short the ceremony was were phenomenal. Oh yeah, Keenan Thompson's hilarious. The couple Leafs jokes that he did, where you know Austin Matthews, the only man in Toronto to score more than Drake. Yeah, well done. Tip good. of the cap. That was good. Then, oh my God, it's nice to see the Toronto Maple Leafs win something in June. Another tip of the cap from Bruins Nation. Well done. There were just some great moments. Yeah, in that. Good award show especially one of the ones that i giggled at and was like i'm so glad they did this was when he put up a flashback of him joking on the tampa bay lightning saying you know a couple of awards ago you know they won and set records for you know the most wins or points in a season blah 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 and they went into the postseason set another record for the least amount of wins in a postseason when they got swept by yeah, the Blue Jackets. And so he good. was like, uh, I forgot what he said specifically, but he basically was taking a shot at Cooper. Like, how dare you get the Jack Adams award? That should have been me. That was bulletin board material. I helped you guys win two cups in a row. 
<laughs> yeah, he's good. The Vesna Shesterkin was the chalk. The Calder, we knew it was going to Cider, even though I liked Zegris a little more, but Cider played big minutes as a defenseman. He deserved it. You don't Ted win Lindsay. Calder on one play. Nope, nope. Uh, That's I mean, Zegris' year in a it, nutshell. No, I mean, no. Zegris was, Zegris was a – he's offensively dynamic. He was dynamic the whole year. He played in a top six role. Cider was more meaningful for his team. That's Ted Lindsay a oh, beast. Stun. He kills people. He hits so hard. He hits so hard. Ted Lindsay was good to see. Like, I like when the heart and the Ted Lindsay match up. I really do. It shows that everyone's on the same page. I'm just glad Connor McDavid didn't win a freaking yeah, I know, thing. me too. Me too. Um, leadership award, Hansi Kopitar, great leader. Jack Adams, Sutter. I agree with it. I'm good with it. I don't know, like, really, I, I don't even think that man speaks English, but... Sure, I guess he gets his message across. He speaks without any emotion. He yeah, is he just, hilarious. oh, thank you. I won the award. Uh... Yeah. King Clancy, um, Subban gives back a lot to the community. Lady Bing to Connor. And obviously the Selkie was the chalk. It was Bergeron. It was always going to be Bergeron this year. So the awards are pretty, they're pretty yeah. much what I thought they were going to be. Yeah. Like I don't have any, any problem with what the awards were. If you um, follow hockey, even remotely throughout the year, you, you should hit be most able to get most of these right. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wild. I think that kind of wraps it up, though. Yeah, I mean, I think this was another good good episode here, and I'm happy to be here. Um, we didn't want to do anything too crazy without Kevin around. And no, no, like remember, you said the earlier, the t-shirts, Connor, the t-shirts, the t-shirt. It's fucking t-shirt time yeah gym tan laundry right it's summer it's summer guys get a nice t-shirt get yourself a cue the duck boats t-shirt get yourself an inside the ring t-shirt go to inside the ring.com go to the store check it all out also before we go for anyone who's still listening check out our twitter page we now have a newsletter on there click subscribe join stay forever get on the duck boats before it's too late there's only so much room